Welcome to the Cap City Outfitters Podcast. This is episode 208. You've got Chris and Brian once again, and this time around, we're going to discuss some stuff from a recent live fire training session we did. Uh, I was recently down at the Practical Shooting Training Group Summit uh, down in Georgia. Who is that? Uh, which who, is... Who's there? Yeah. <laughs> who's there? Who was it? Who was who, there? Who was there? Uh, yeah, so this is, um, this is the... Practical Shooting Training Group is the paid forum uh, for Ben Steger, Joel Park, Wonsett Kim, um, those guys, and they do once a year what they call Summit, which is a an opportunity to get a bunch of people together, do some learning, do some training, um, share knowledge, uh, yeah, a lot of cool stuff. Um, I'm the instructor cadre for this. Um, ben Steger, Once at Kim, Joel Park, uh, Mason and Kay Lane, uh, Lane Grease, um, goodness, yeah. Uh, well, if you're not involved, if you're not involved in that, if you don't participate yeah, Tyler, in that. Tyler Turner was down there. Yeah. Um, Fabio it, Spinelli from My Own Defender. Um, yeah, a lot of lot of big names, heavy yeah, you, hitters. Yeah, in the if, USPSA you, if you don't participate, yeah, if you if you Google USPSA. Those are names that will immediately come up um, as as top level people in USPSA. Yeah, guys that are in the what they call the super squad. Yeah. So top ten at nationals or top fifteen at nationals. Yeah. I'm um, kind of ranked going in. Uh, multiple people that were on the let on the latest uh, world shoot team. Yep. Um, that went to Thailand last year. So lots of really really high level knowledge. Yeah. Um, that they broke down into digestible chunks um, that you kind of learn from an yeah. hour and a half or two hours or whatnot. Yeah, I mean, that's super, super opportunity to go see what the people that are at literally the very pinnacle of performance right now with handgun usage. Um, you know, I'll be a, a competitive environment, hard skills carry over, doesn't matter, yeah, hard skills or hard shooting. skills, doesn't matter where you're at. Um, you know, so, and, and these are, you know, and to, to put a, you know, we're obviously very defensively firearms oriented. So, so to put a really sharp point on that, you know, the guys that do the podcast with them are guys like Frank Proctor, um, in that podcast group that does like the redneck lives and stuff like that yes. with, with park. And am I saying that right? I mean, are those like, so, there's an overlap from some yeah. of that group into groups of guys that shoot defense, shoot from a military perspective or tier one perspective, there's overlap with that group. Yeah, 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 that that's that overlap is with Matt Pranka um, and Mike Panone. Yeah, oh, Panone, and then, sorry. Um, yeah, Chris uh, thinks the five thirty one insights guy down in Texas. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. There's there's been a lot of call cross pollination between the tie end tactical defensive oriented guys. Yeah, and the competition world. Um, a bunch of those guys, you know, Pranka, Panone. Um, shoot competition. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know Proctor's been a USPSA Grandmaster level guy for a long time. Yep. One well, so's uh, so's Frank. Uh, he's yeah. USPSA GM. Um, you know, I mean, so yeah. I mean, guys. So you know, when you know, there's there's a lot of guys out there that and I was one of them years ago. Uh, more along the IDPA end of things uh, that kind of poo pooed the competitive overlap because USPSA has so many artificial rules. Uh, I mean, IDPA has so many artificial rules versus USPSA is go fast, suck less. Yeah. Um, and the guy who goes the fastest and sucks the least wins. Um, and that's hard skills. And, and so what we have are guys on the cutting edge of 
the, the skills, the hard skills and application of them on in a range environment. And, you know, and that, that could be called the tactics of the range versus the tactics of the real world. And so you apply those hard skills to whatever your tactics may be to achieve whatever it is you're trying to do. Um, yeah. These are the these are some really interesting dudes because they're doing it at the highest level and going and playing with those guys. Am I allowed to say how you felt about that whole weekend? Am I allowed to say that out loud? Yeah. Okay. Um, Brian, it, it, for, for those of you who, who are just tuning in for the first time, um, we, we have a merry little band of misfits that's, that's some pretty skilled dudes for a bunch of guys who don't shoot high-level USPSA. Um, I'm going to say that within that group, we maybe are probably a bunch of B-class USPSA shooters by and large, with the exception of a couple of the guys. Um, you know, and Brian's one of those guys who regularly performs at a very high level within that group, is consistently one of the top shooters out of our group. And then when you go take a class, you know, most of the guys in the class, Brian's going to be one of the top shooters in almost any class. Brian made the comment that he's never worked so hard to be average. I'll say that again. I've never worked that hard to be average within a group of people. Um, when you find that group of people to train with, you have found a home. Um, I, I, yes, I, I would like to be the fastest dude on the planet always, uh, but you're doing this with guys who literally do it for a living, and they're phenomenal at it. And when you have to go be, and when you have to go be average with other people, that's where you're going to learn because you're going to be challenged and you're going to see stuff that you're probably not doing or seeing. And, or maybe when you talk about breaking some of this stuff down to the nth degree, you get that opportunity to break it down to the nth degree by the guys who break stuff down to the nth, nth degree. Yeah. Whatever that is. I'm not a math guy. That would be math speak that I don't know. Um, so absolutely, what a, what a phenomenal opportunity to go be average with the best dudes in the world. This is pretty freaking cool, in my opinion. So let's talk about what, what we did. Yeah. So one of the uh, while I was at Summit... It was called the Vanilla Marksmanship Block with uh, Wonset and Joel Park, uh, the aka the Korean Brothers. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, which was a single day focused on kind of relearning marksmanship uh, because the you know doing the the USPSA thing, which is the focus for all the guys there, uh, being able to shoot very quickly. So splits matter. Yep. Uh, visual transitions and stuff matter how you process things visually matters a lot um yeah it all and it, it's all got to be done dimension it's all got to be done really fast <laughs> um, so they you know these are the guys that came up with doubles drill mm -hmm. uh, we shot a lot of doubles drill down there we shot a lot of practical accuracy uh, and then we started using those drills to either break things down further or started adding you know transitions between targets but we're we're still shooting doubles drill uh, so yeah. what did those guys do? They came up with a drill to shoot doubles better. Yeah. Um, and I think they're calling it now like the awareness drill, like the visual awareness drills. Um, but we're looking at, you know, when we think about recoil kind of historically, it's either been <clears throat> we're going to let the gun do what it's going to do and give it the time it needs to get back to where it needs to be. Or we're going to try to muscle the gun to do what we want it to do. And the gun's still going to do what it's going to do. Uh, but now we've added all this extra tension tension and pressure. And we're probably pushing the gun where we don't want it because we're anticipating the gun doing things, uh, which causes all kinds of problems. Well, so it, it just as a yeah. quick step aside from that, when you talk about accuracy and the potential for accuracy, giving the gun the least input that it needs when the sights are where they're supposed to be, as you depress the trigger 
and engage the firing chain to hit the primer and make the gun go bang and get a bullet out of the gun, the least input possible. Yep. Is what's going to give you accuracy from a pure raw perspective. So you talk about the guys that shoot rifles at distance and stuff like that. Touch the gun as little as you need to touch the gun to make the gun go bang when the sights are where they're supposed to be. I, I grew up, and I'm, I'm stepping on this because I grew up in an era where you flex every muscle in your body. You know, you got to you got to get rigid shooting a handgun. You got to grip the shit out of the gun. You got to hunch your shoulders up, turtle your neck down, engage your lats, engage your roll your shoulders over and lock your shoulders out, and blah 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 blah, blah on and on and on and on, etc. Ad nausea. Um, to make an analogy to why that's wrong, Mike Tyson dances around the ring as a boxer. And it's well-muscled, and when he moves, you can see his muscles moving because he is relaxed. His body is relaxed. He is not tense until he fires a shot. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, everything all at once, if it's a right-handed punch from his right big toe all the way up through the rest of his body, locks up, rotates, does what it's supposed to do to send that punch for that instant, and then he's back to relaxed again. And he probably threw 14 punches. You only saw two of them because he was so freaking fast. But that's any high-level boxer. And it gets faster the lighter weight you go, boxer-wise. These guys are not tense until it's time to hit something. And they tense up for the instant it takes to hit it, and that's it. From the shooting perspective, you know, you get taught to lock up. You cannot run your trigger finger that fast when you're tense. As fast as you can. You're, you're taken away yeah. from the efficiency of running it. Um, so when you're tensed up, it doesn't work to do some of these things as fast as you could. And that includes moving your body to transition. Um, you know, sprinters on the blocks. You look at, you know, some of these people out there uh, trying to think, uh, you know, all the hot chicks at the high level and sprinting that are out there jumping up and down and they're loosening up and they're throwing everything around to make sure that when they step on the blocks, they're loose to go because that's where you have to be. This is the same thing. Shooting is an athletic endeavor. And so you're trying to take as much tension out of it as humanly possible except exactly where you need it. Yeah. Okay. So to, to get back to that, uh, when you know when we're gripping the pistol, yep. uh, we're trying to grip the pistol only with the hands and the forearms, uh, trying to remove all the, the shoulders don't grip the pistol. Yep. Um, if you can avoid it, like the biceps and stuff don't grip the pistol. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, kind of more, a little bit more upright, you know, shoulders natural, um, no neck tension. Um, which for me, this is, this was a lot of stuff to try to unlearn in three days. Yep. Uh, but yes. it's, you know, something I've brought back home and been working on in dry fire. Um, it's like, but now know like what needs to happen. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, trying to get, you know, we chase, if you're chasing on the competition side, if you're chasing splits that are below 0.2, the tension thing really matters because you can't run your trigger finger fast enough. When there's tension, um, you're both blocking like really efficient nerve signals um, because of the tension, and then it also just all that added tension puts extra input through the firing hand into the gun, um, which tends to make the trigger not get pulled straight to the rear, um, which then pushes things down to the left if you're right-handed shooter, or maybe you're pushing pulling stuff over to the right. Um, just weird things happen. Um, so with the the firing hand, you know, we want to be somewhat relaxed. Uh, we still need enough grip on the gun to hold the gun yeah. and be stable with it. And then with that support side grip, that absolutely crushes down. Yeah. Um, trying to get wrapped around uh, your index finger from the support side grip 
um, you want to get it up on top of the knuckles uh, for the middle finger from the strong side. Yep. Uh, and then that that support side hand, that index finger, gets locked up into the trigger guard from the bottom. Uh, so we get a lot more mechanical lockage. Um, that was something that got demoed and really started to make a difference. Yeah. Uh, if you're just wrapping that support side hand around the strong side hand and it's kind of resting on top of um, you know, from a from a like it's not kind of locked in but it's just resting on the hand um, those fingers tend to move under recoil I actually saw some of the some of the GM level guys putting the pro grip stuff on the back side of their strong their strong hand mm-hmm. uh, specifically adding stuff like on the back of the hand yeah. so that the support side hand would better lock up um, to their strong side hand um, so having a good mechanical strictly mechanical grip on the pistol um, s- helps to reduce the amount of tension you got to put into the grip yeah um, which just helps make everything work better before you even pull the trigger yeah well and then after you pull the trigger to the next trigger pull to the next trigger pull yep. to the next trigger pull um, you know and, and guys these are again we're, we're, we're the stuff we're talking about is 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 minutia but it all adds up to efficiency um you know again we did going back to an analogy the guy who at a high level racing environment on the track the guys who do everything perfect and perfect may be a one foot or two foot difference off of a line in a turn might be the difference between winning and losing a race on a track that's 50 freaking feet wide going through turns yeah um, but the guy who has the best line has the fastest time is the most efficient it seems like that word's getting beaten to death by us for the last year or two. Um, but efficiency is where it's at. That the efficiency equals speed. Um, that's 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 the end of the game. And so you know when you start talking about being able to maintain the grip, it means your sights return back to where they're supposed to be faster. That's efficient. Um, that's what allows you to be fast. I don't think at this point. I don't know that I'm ever going to get fast again. Um, I, I think at 52 years old, it's a little bit harder to see things quite as well to visually process quite as well. Um, but just changing a couple of these little tweaks mechanically changed how the gun moved under grip. And, and these are minor things. I mean, I've been doing this. I've been pulling the trigger on guns for 40-some freaking years. Um, and never at a high level, guys. Please don't, I'm not, don't misunderstand. I'm not saying, you know, oh, I used, to be, uh, I used to be able to walk on water with a Glock. And I've never been that guy, but I've always been solid. And it's, it's that incremental improvement. And these little things are incremental improvements that if you're already a solid shooter... These are the things that make you better. This yeah. was one of them. This yeah. coming back with this was one of them. Uh, so let's let's run through, if 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 it's appropriate, yeah. then let's run through what we did, um, and kind of break some of those things down a little bit because that's where we applied the grip yeah. and some other odds and ends. Yeah. So the actual training night um, started out with the CTT Solutions 10-8 skills evaluation thing. Yeah, uh, which we're just going to table for another podcast. Yeah, because that's a uh, whole thing it's on its own. A whole other podcast, and probably something you should be doing at some point anyway. It's a great evaluation. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so from there, uh, this was the first time most of us had shot pistol, or a lot of people had shot pistols in multiple months. Uh, so we did just three strings of five round groups. I think at ten yards, slow fire, take all the time in the world, try to stack the rounds into one hole. Yeah. Um, everybody generally seemed pretty pretty good at that 
and then we started doing what we call um, trigger control at speed. Uh, so this was something that I kind of got from Mason Lane and then some of the other guys too were doing this, uh, talking about it a bunch that it's part of their regular training. Um, the goal here is we start in, you know, aimed in at the target, um, trigger prepped or not prepped. Um, it's easier like on a, say a Gen 3 Glock, if you're at the wall, um, if you want to make it harder, you start with your finger at the back of the trigger guard. Yeah. Um, in, in between. So there's, between. there's prepped at the wall is one way to do it. Yeah, there's, just touching, there's the, touching trigger. the trigger, finger on the trigger lightly, maybe maybe depressing the safety, maybe even not. Yeah. And then all the way off of it at the wall. Um, and I, you know, and again, as if you're a newbie or you're an intermediate shooter, maybe starting out with a prep and then learning this drill at the at the touch and then learning this drill off the trigger, working through some progression like okay. that so you get the idea of what you're supposed to be achieving um, because it is refining trigger. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and this is also, um, there's a, a fair degree of vision involved in this as well. Yes. Uh, so we're, you know, we're aimed in at the target. Um, on the beep, the goal is to press the trigger all the way to the rear without disturbing the sights before the beep is done beeping. Yeah. Uh, so on a, on a shot timer, typically the beep lasts 0.3 seconds. Uh, hu typical human response to auditory input um, it's something like this is between like 0.15 and 0.2 seconds. Um, the gun takes 0 0.06 to cycle. Uh, so it's it's achievable. You don't have to be a superhuman to do this. Yeah. Uh, it's a really easy drill to dry fire because uh, your sights are either going to be exactly where they're supposed to be. Or not. Or they're not. Um, use like a paster or, you know, a a nickel size spot on a posted note. I would I would go back to the I would go back to the one inch per bases. ten feet. Yeah. One inch you're still trying to main that maintain that slow fire. This um, one I I'm gonna say like it's gotta be we're looking for not moving the sights even tighter than like one inch per ten feet. Well I'm I'm perfect. How about that? I mean that's that's what you're really going for is perfect. Yeah. You really want it to be perfect. You want to practice to not move the sights at all. And you know, so whatever your standard is for that, but I would agree that it, you want to, if, if you're at 10 feet, it should be in the same hole. Yeah. 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 I mean, we were shooting, yeah. like if you're going to do this dry fire, uh, like a paster light switch at, or a light switch, Something small. um, you know, at 10 yards or the longest you can get in your room. Yeah. This is, is not, a, this is using. not a USPSA zero yeah, zone or is, an IDPA a zone. This is, this is small. Yeah. Yeah. Because uh, we want to see the dot or the sights not move at all. Yeah. Um, because, it, you know, from a mechanical, again, mechanical standpoint with the gun, if we're putting input into the gun, just pulling the trigger, um, then everything else we're doing, we're kind of defeating because our trigger pull sucks. Yeah, for not at that point. Uh, yeah, so we did this quite a few times. Um, everybody was looking pretty good. Uh, it was, there were some light bulbs going on, like, Oh, I can achieve the same thing pulling the trigger very quickly as I can when I take all of my time because my grip's not better. Yeah. Um, and focusing on the grip, um, doing what you need to with the grip. Um, so then the kind of the follow on from trigger control at speed is the recoil awareness drill where we're doing the same thing, but now in live fire, 
we're trying to actively return the dot to where it started uh, before the beep is done beeping. Yeah. Uh, and this is kind of the magic, t was, was really some magic uh, in learning how recoil kind of actually works and needs to work uh, to truly go fast. And the big part of this is we rely on our vision to control the recoil yes. um, as opposed to trying to muscle the gun around under recoil. Um, and the way the vision works for doing the recoil is we truly have to be target focused. Uh, I thought I was target focused going into Summit and at Summit um, I ran a, a normal see through the optic kind of dot setup. Uh, one point Joel Park looked over me he's like, you know, you could like occlude your dot, it's not gonna get you killed in the streets or anything. <laughs> um, I was like, okay, noted. Uh, and then like, I've got some weird cross-side dominant stuff um, on a rifle, the bind and aiming concept, which is effectively what an occluded dot is, yeah. like causes all kinds of extra problems. Um, so I was concerned that that would apply on the handgun as well. Uh, I got home, I started dry firing this. It was like, oh, uh, because I looked through handgun optic with my dominant eye uh, none of those problems happen um, as, a, as we record this I have blue painters tape covered over my optic right now uh, it does actually work to truly be target focused um, if you're running a dot and you haven't tried occluding it um, give it a try on dry fire I think you will be surprised at the results yeah uh, but by being um, and then with irons if you're on irons um, and you're looking at the target and the targets, you know, beyond five yards, 10 yards, somewhere in there, um, the front sight is going to be kind of fuzzy a little bit. Yeah. Um, that is your indicator that you are actually target focused, uh, which is what you want to be. Uh, but being target focused, uh, our subconscious will put the dot back to where it's supposed to be. Um, if we are front sight focused or dot focused, um, we are now reacting to what the dot is doing or what the sights are doing. Mm -hmm. uh, so we're always like 0.2 behind. Yeah. Uh, and by 0.2, I mean like 0.2 seconds because we're responding to visual input. And you'll see the gun, you know, kind of bobble up and down as we add input and then we remove input and then we add more input until finally the gun settles to where it needs to be, uh, as opposed to being, you know, we're really target focused, the subconscious is just like, oh, that's where the dots gotta go, and it just goes there. Yeah. Because uh, the subconscious can process the visual information and then apply electrical signals down to the muscles um, by being kind of relaxed. Uh, we're not adding all this extra tension things where we have to move more muscles than we need to mm -hmm. um, the gun just kind of returns back to that point where it starts and it does it inside that point three uh, mm -hmm. so we were in this case you know we've responded to the beep it we'll call it like 0 0.1 0 0.18 um, the gun takes 0 0.6 0 0.06 to cycle so we're at 0.24 and then we have six hundredths of a second to put the dot back where it needs to be. Yeah. Um, and we all we all did it. Um, again, none of us are superhuman. Yep. Um, we're statement. anywhere from what forty-ish to fifty-five-ish. 55 yeah. Somewhere about there. 
um yeah like it's this is totally doable uh, if you've been shooting doubles drill and you're frustrated with what you're getting out of doubles drill um this recoil awareness drill is how you shoot doubles better mm-hmm. uh, and then kind of the follow-up so we did i don't know what 10 three three strings of 10 what, with this what what was the other one that was just I, I'm I don't want to even we, say it out loud. What was the first drill that you mentioned that was So we the, did we did trigger control speed. Okay, cool. And and then, and and then, then we this. did and then we did the recoil awareness drill. So I think we shot this like ten times um or ten reps and we did it like two or three times. Yeah. Uh, you know, again, guys putting rounds basically in the same hole, yeah, seeing the dot come back to where it needed to be. Uh and then from there, kind of the follow on to this is you know, we look at what's the difference between taking one shot and returning the dot to where it needs to be and taking two shots yeah. and returning the dot to where it needs to be in between the shots. All we're doing is doing it twice, Yeah. Uh, which is essentially like a quarter of shooting double drill. Yeah. Uh, imagine that. Yeah. Huh. Huh. <laughs> if, it, if it feels like we've just spent, you know, 10 minutes explaining how to shoot each two shots of doubles drill perfectly. Uh, that's exactly what that this the this discussion is a breakdown of a really simple drill even further yeah which creates efficiency uh so then the the next thing we did is we did the i'm going to call the one two drill uh so on the first beep you fire one shot um return the dot to the target on that exact point you're looking at you know before the beep is done beeping uh, on the second or on the even numbered beep, you shoot two shots and you're trying to do the same thing. Um, you're trying to send that pair predictively so the second shot is fired you know, as fast as you can possibly pull the trigger. Um, and we're looking, you know, if we're doing this at five yards, we're looking for a group on the target that's smaller than a baseball. Yeah. And that is absolutely achievable. Yeah. Um, I'm going to throw a couple of things out. Doing, being very tight. It, it feels hard to get on the trigger before the dot's over once. It seems damn near impossible to do it twice. Being yeah. very tight, being yeah. shoulder, shoulders locked, um, turtled up, everything rolled forward, being, you know, being muscling the gun, feels very, very hard to get through the first trigger pull in time, much less two. Um, the other thing I think a lot of that drives is that anticipation of shot um, either... I had a couple weird ones. I haven't healed where you're driving that big muscle at the bottom of your hand that comes mm-hmm. off into your into your ulna. Um, I haven't driven that up, but pushing the tension, going back to it and going, okay, I'm going to do it this way. I like that. Let's go back to the other way. I actually was healing a little bit and pushing some shots high. And I mean high. So I knew it was healing, not just a weird little thing. In general, when I'm trying to go fast, I anticipate and I drop. I don't go left much. That's mm-hmm. not a thing for me anymore. It used to be. Um, w- taking Google at some point when you want to learn, we talk about relaxing, taking the tension out of the upper body specifically. There are a couple things I, w- I would want you to Google on your own time and figure out. Scapular retraction, scap retraction. You'll hear people talk about it a lot. Hanging, prepping to do pull-ups and stuff like that from a workout perspective. Scapular retraction. Google it. Watch how to do it. Hold a scap retraction for five or ten seconds because it will tire out some of those muscles up high and let you relax. Um, number two, a shrug. Roll your shoulders back. Lift them up. 
back yeah. and drop them down. Do a, do a couple shrugs, loosen up. And then focus on C-spine, focus on that cervical spine. Focus on where you're running from your skull to between your shoulder blades and make sure that you're upright and not running your head forward, leaning forward, etc. Before each run of these drills, until it starts to become a thing that you just find yourself in that natural position, um, but that allows you to be upright, see better, move faster, relax and move faster. Um, but scap retraction, a shrug and, and neutral C-spine so that you're not, that's where the tension comes out. And I know that stuff from Wolfie and from working out with some of the guys I've worked out with in the past. So it's kind of doing some of those things to go, okay, how do I relax and stay relaxed? And then for me, I found that if I didn't start relaxed, I wasn't going to get relaxed. But if I started relaxed, I could do pretty good. I haven't done it with doubles yet, so we'll see how that goes with doubles yeah. if I can maintain that. Um, but those kind of those cues, I'm a, I'm a checklist guy and I'm not very smart, so I can outsmart myself by setting myself up in a trap that I'm dumb enough to still fall into. So that was the trap was how do I reset this every time and make sure I'm ready to go. And when I did, some things changed. The anticipation kind of went away. Um, I, I was pushing things a little bit high, but I'm saying like two inches high versus you know, two inches low, three inches low, whatever. The anticipation went away. Yeah. Um, the, the other thing that it allowed me to do being relaxed and being up on the gun allows me to look through the center of the lens of the eyeball and the center of the lens of my glasses. I do wear, I have corrective vision, corrective glasses. M moving through that, I started seeing the dot on the target. And I, I think, just like you said, I don't know that I realized that maybe I wasn't as target focused as I could be. I generally with the dot because of my vision, I don't see well up close, but I see well at distance. I'm pretty target focused to begin with, but something changed there a little bit too, because all of a sudden I was tracking the dot a lot better, but the combination of not muscling the gun, I also wasn't going up and then dipping back down, trying to muscle it yeah. and then coming back up in that full oscillation versus the oscillation should be where the dot was when the shot broke up, recover back to where the dot was for the next shot. There should be no oscillation below that initial first line. Correct. Does that makes sense. Yeah. Okay. Cool. So I, yeah. I, but I started not only to I could see it, I can't see the dot when I'm tensed up doing the below, but I know it's doing it. But when I relaxed, I could see the dot come up and come right back down, and it felt like things kind of slowed down a little bit, but they didn't. It, it, Which is the goal. Yeah. yeah. And, and I mean, and that that was just in you know literally one night of playing around this a little bit. Now again, I pulled the trigger a lot of times. But it, it, I don't know. There, this is guys. This is not magic. It's just it's just the efficiencies of learning how to make your body do what you want it to do. Um, you know, there, this is like I said. This wasn't like an aha, but it was like, oh shit. Okay, cool. This works better. Let's do this. Yeah. Now I got to practice it and ingrain it because I'm fighting forty or thirty years anyway, twenty years anyway of tactical, tactical, tactical. You know, protect your neck, get your shoulder. Your body's going to react like this. Um, you with the the old uh, who's our buddy. Um, Rob, throw your hands in the air, and then draw your gun, kind of thing. Yeah, you know that's all bullshit. It's period, and so right. So let's avoid the. Let's get into the efficiencies of it, and let's train yeah. to do things efficiently. I'm not saying that you're going to be able to be cool and calm um, in a gunfight without a whole bunch of practice. These guys that you're getting this from have a whole bunch of practice. They're probably going to be the dude who remains pretty calm. And so was Musashi. Yep. Okay, cool. Yeah. Uh, from there, so we did this, I don't, we did the one, two drill. A couple, fair number of times. Yeah, a fair number of times, like yeah. two, three mags at five yards. We did the same thing back at 10 yards. Yeah. 
um, it really starts to you really start to see what's going on when you get back to ten yards because yes. the distances now open up. Um, the angular standards, you know, deviations that you thought were small get a lot bigger because of the distance involved. Yeah. Uh, and then we finished out the night with I don't know what four or five build drills at ten yards. Um, back to going to ten yards. Yeah. With the one two. Everybody was shooting A's. Yeah. Everybody was shooting A's. And these are guys that, that occasionally, we're human, we drop a shot here or there, but pretty consistently, everybody was shooting A's doing those drills. It was an improvement. Yep. Okay. Yeah. Um, one thing that helped a lot um, doing all of these drills is we took a took a pacer, flipped it over, yep. um, and then stuck it on the target with another pacer. Yeah. Um, so you had a bright white, you know, what, one inch by one inch And we're going to call that aiming a, point. a tactical A zone aiming point. Yeah. Because we were at the top end of the A zone, because we're looking for upper thoracic as defensive shooters. Yep. Not that low in the A zone is going to be a bad thing ever, but but up in the A zone is better. So that's what we were aiming for. I'm going to tell you, we were probably shooting half A zones, top half A yeah. zones is where we were going. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but as far as that that having that yes. reference point on the target really does help suck your eye in. Yep. Uh, gives you a really discreet reference, discreet aiming point. Um, it makes a difference. That was one of the things that we did use at Summit. Uh, a bunch of the guys, I think Kyle McNabb talked a bunch about, like he does, he'll do that in practice and he'll just kind of make it smaller and smaller and smaller until it finally goes away. Yeah. Uh, and next time he goes out, he'll start with, you know, the full size, like aiming helper. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, I mean, these are, these are really, really good shooters and they still use these kind of tools. Absolutely. Um, yeah. Build drills. Yeah, build drills. Uh, so build drills, 10 yards, you know, trying to run that. Are we predictive? Are we reactive? Are we kind of somewhere in the middle? Um, can we have a grip durable enough to do six shots? Uh, can we run the trigger consistently very quickly for six shots? Can we keep our vision, you know, aggressively target focused for six shots? Yeah. Uh, kind of putting it all together trying to put it all together uh, and then also re kind of reminding ourselves that with the handgun build drill solve problems yes yeah well yeah what's the saying there's not many problems there's not many problems you can't solve with a build drill properly applied yeah. um, guys I am I am gonna I'm gonna throw out a metric that will let you know how much I suck um, as much as I do this as long as I've been doing this I'm generally pretty happy if I'm under three seconds for a build drill with no drop shots um, I'm generally looking for upper a zone but I'm pretty happy if I can get them all in the A zone with no drop shots. And, I, and I'm probably consistently a 2.9 to, to 3 second build drill shooter. Yeah. Uh, from concealment, uh, with a Glock, no special trigger, with an optic on it, no special barrel, no comps, no this, no that, no nothing. Um, just how I walk around the world every day with that gun. Uh, I ran a couple of 2.6-ishes, like in 2.6-somethings, 2.6-9s, 26 O's, 265, never 260, 265. So I'm doing some of this stuff, you know, uh, running three tenths off of something out of six shots is not a real big deal to a really good shooter. Uh, it would be a huge deal to a really good shooter. It was a, it was a big deal to me because it was a significant step forward. Um, I, so predictive. Well, call it 10%. Yeah. Yeah. And, and yeah, it's a 10% uptick and, and I did it a couple times. So from a, from a, aspect of shooting a build drill a lot of you at 10 yards are shooting a build build drill predictively you have that kind of grip that consistency 
those neural pathways are drove in at 10 yards i'm not i'm just, I'm just not that good period end of conversation um i was shooting it somewhat reactively because i was seeing the dot but what i was also seeing within the dot was vertical tracking and returning not that oscillation below the line again yeah. it was more efficient it was faster visually but also running it visually. The other thing that I did is I also occluded the dot for those build drills. Um, it didn't really, well, obviously didn't hurt me at all. Maybe I would have run it faster if I didn't have the dot there. I don't know. But because of the change in movement and being relaxed enough to see what was going on and occluding it and forcing myself to be target focused, the dot was just kind of there, which was a little bit different thing for me than I've experienced except for years ago when I was running occluded a lot. So a, a really good progression of things to get to a build drill and say, okay, cool, that's a step forward. Yeah. I would have liked to try doubles well, as well at some yeah. point. And I'm sure we will. But yeah. I would have liked to try doubles back-to-back -back with that as well in that progression and see, and that will probably be another thing for down the road. So, yeah. 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 Cool. Yeah. Um, again, all the, like, the baseline description for many of the drills and stuff um, mm. is in the book Practical, Sh Practical Shooting Training. Um, by Ben Stager and Joel Park. Uh, if you don't have that book, go get it. Yep. Um, yeah, on both of their Instagram accounts, they've got a lot of really good content. Uh, some of this kind of stuff on there. Same with uh, Once at Kim's, got some good stuff. Um, check it out. Go try this stuff at the range. Uh, try it out in dry fire. Yeah. Uh, if you're not doing trigger control at speed in your dry fire training, um, I think you're actually you're giving up a lot. Um, that's something I've added now to every dry fire session. Uh, might only be five reps or ten reps, um, but having good trigger control at speed is really important. And it, yeah, I, I would say for a for a defensive shooter, that might be <clears throat> the most important thing because you can't do it without grip, you can't do it without good visual processing, and you can't do it without being loose. So, and those are the three keys that you want to hone. I think at this stage of the game, yeah. you know, those are or those are three keys, maybe not the three keys. There are three keys that you want to hone uh, at this stage of the game. But the whole idea that you can't, you know, oh, well, you know, those guys shoot 50,000 rounds a year. Well, probably not, but they probably dry fire 50,000 rounds a year. Um, or, or more. Or more, yeah, or more. But it is absolutely doable. It's just a commitment. And I would say, you know, what are your priorities? What are you trying to do? Because... I, I it's cheap. I don't have to drive anywhere to do it. Um, I don't have to wear ear pro. I don't have to put on sunscreen or bug spray. Um, you know, it, 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 these things are they're damn near free. Yeah, yeah. So cool. Yeah. Um, on that note, follow us along on our social media as we try as we come across cool things. Uh, we try to get posted up to our Facebook and our Instagram. On Facebook, search for Cap City Outfitters. On Instagram, we're Cap City Outfitters too. Uh, on our website, capcityoutfitters.com, you can find information such as how to do an FFL transfer or how to purchase a suppressor via our storefront over at silencershop.com. Uh, also on the website, you can sign up for our weekly newsletter. It comes out on Fridays or send us an email to info at capcityoutfitters.com. And then we're here in Hilliard, Ohio. Uh, we're here at 4465 Cemetery Road. Uh, we're in front of the Aldi's. We're directly next to Louis Fusion Drill. Uh, we're here 10 to 5 Tuesday through Friday and 10 to 3 on Saturdays, and we look forward to seeing you soon. Thanks for tuning in, guys.